Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of scotch, the show of mental, physical health, being a strong woman in this hospitality industry, and so much more. Today's guest is Elise Blackman of the McAllen. Talk about growing up in the same small town in Texas. What are the odds there? Talk about Speed Rack and its influence for the community of hospitality. We finally sat down. After a few years in the making, Elise and I caught up during the San Antonio Cocktail Conference this year and just waxed poetic, talked about everything we could possibly think of over a few cups of coffee. And here is the wonderful result. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Elise Blackman. Fairly well. Uh, Just recently, you know, this transition has been quite interesting and a bit daunting to me personally as far as like reevaluating what my daily regimen looks like and then, you know, down the line, what's down the pipe and what does six months from now look like. Um, And just having a conversation constantly about what's happening in my head and how it affects my physiology. Because more than ever, more than shaking hundreds of cocktails a night, I know now how connected those two things are. Absolutely. and how detrimental it can be if you neglect one or the other. So it's a, it's incredibly important to me, yes, but there's several things that I try to do for myself, um, maintain organized and positive and try not to be incredibly critical of myself. It's yeah. a very free job and I have a lot of, you know, creative leeway. However, uh, a little bit of lack of rubric can sometimes be the downfall for most people that are used to, you know, an organized regimen. So overcoming those things and obviously working out a lot. Uh, helps just a bit. It just it helps just a bit, but I mean the late nights don't really go anywhere. I think as an ambassador, um, my job is so much more than closing down a bar and drinking with right. friends at two a.m. It's not really where anything happens other than a fun conversation. Yeah. Nobody's going to get anything out of that, but maybe a hangover in the morning. So uh, restricting myself to maybe once a week, I'll let the lights come up in a bar. Right. Uh, and getting great sleep. Sleep is so important to me now. It's a massive thing. Yeah. So in terms of expectations, let's talk about that for a second. Sure. So you transitioned to a more visible role. You obviously with Speed Rack and certain accolades here in San Antonio, you've built an amazing reputation as a career woman, which is a beautiful thing. Your career keeps expanding the opportunities. Do you feel any sense or any air of expectations? One, because you're a very powerful woman in this industry with a strong voice. And two, because simply you got a bigger gig now. You feel any expectations or pressure more than usual? Um, not so much externally, but the things I apply to myself, um, absolutely. I think that I kind of had a quiet conversation with myself when I took this role, and I, yeah. you know, had a come to truths, and you know, decided to revamp my side of things, and that meant uh, don't be too hard on myself. Yeah, you know, curb my own expectations. I and I've had coworkers and mentors, bosses tell me. Elise, you've got to roll with punches a little bit more. You have to let things unfold as they are, and you can't be in control of them. So that is definitely is rigid been, a word for that. Would you? I would say maybe. Um, I don't know that it's rigid. I, I'm malleable when it comes down to the organic qualities of having events. Things right. are going to unfold as they do, but there is a definite and massive part of me that expects it to be perfect and go exactly as my mind's eye perceives or right. would like. So curbing that a little bit, telling myself to chill. 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 What are some methods or some techniques that um, Elise can tell everybody that helps? Oh, so lame, and you've heard it from everybody, breathing. I haven't, breathing. actually. No, I think it's um, imperative. It's, it's un, <laughs> you know, it's this natural function that occurs all of the time, but we mm. never really control it. It's going to happen, and we need it. Um, but taking deep breaths and recently working with somebody who specializes in, you know, breaking the compensation patterns in your body from, you know, the ergonomics of your jobs or mm-hmm. what have you um breathing and holding six breaths over the course of a minute so it's 10 seconds to breathe in right and to also breathe out um and being completely aware of that process for 
one whole minute a day. Mm. Uh, and you reset because it's impossible to be anxious and stimulated and relaxed at the same time. And what right. you're doing when you're breathing is telling yourself to relax and slow down. Um, and also it just helps me get in tune for a minute and curb the probably inevitable anxiety attack that's on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> is that but, what that shadow is? It's kind of yeah, yeah. No, that's, it's not my shadow. The that's my anxiety. anxiety. Yeah, it's anxiety. just, uh, it's manifesting into a visible form. So I didn't realize that you, would you say that you wrestle with anxiety? Is it something that's actually quite prominent in your life? Um, I think it always has been. I think that it's a product of a lot of things. It's a product of loving myself very much and having expectations for my success. Yeah. I think it's also a product of studying a field of studies that requires you to put everything you care about out on a line for critique right. and to anticipate failure in a good way. You know, from that we learn and we strive and we change and, you know, we keep rolling essentially. But uh, yeah, I think that anxiety can be a bad thing. And it's always, you know, like we mentioned it's earlier. Use, it's you stress and distress, right? Those two types. Absolutely, of right? And there's all sorts of ways to skin a cat or leave your lover or deal with your anxiety. And yeah. uh, everybody is different. I think that I kind of embrace it. It's going to exist. I think it's it's necessary for for me. It's kind of, and when we talk about it, it's a bad guy. But really, it can be a good guy. Yeah. Being anxious about things you care about. Absolutely. You know, I if I don't wake up every day afraid of the thing that I'm pursuing, I probably shouldn't invest in it. And we've talked about that, right. you know, on a private level is, you know, what is our passion uh, activating in our lives and, yeah. and how do we handle it? So I think I try to look at it as a good thing. It is. No, I think pressure and self-imposed pressure, are two things that encourage us to build more, build better, stronger mentality, also build a stronger physique. Absolutely. I always use the bench press analogy. If you don't keep putting on more weight, you're never going to progress. You're never going to grow. Right? Absolutely. So you got to keep pushing through. It's hard. And then once you realize you push through, you're like, holy shit, I can do another rep of this thing, add some weight. Exactly. Say right? love you, ultimately. Yeah. When you talk about reflection, okay, mm -hmm. so the breathing makes a lot of sense to become centered, take yourself out of what is maybe a pre-anxiety phase. Or sure. Era, right? You've had a career. I mean, already, even at the young age of 29, you've had quite a career sometimes we're so busy doing we're both here doing so much during this conference do you ever sit down and reflect on how much you've actually achieved absolutely um i think that you know tallying our our good times and our bad times and looking over what's happening is is easy to do but when we're considering those things they're usually um singular events that kind of denote success or failure right, right over the year we can remember something that was completely and overwhelmingly tiring or uh phenomenal and exciting or we loved somebody for a season yeah those things kind of stick out but uh as far as my career yeah it it comes in waves where i change as a person i've yeah. applied myself or i've been each step operating at a different level on a different plane almost I'm, i've been wearing different hats so yeah through all of the bar gigs, I was bartending to certain different people and I was a different Elise. And so sometimes it required uh, stern but fair, high volume, stern hi, how fair, are you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you may not behave like that. And yeah. yes, you may have everything that you ever wanted. That's what my job was as a bartender is, uh, you know, overcoming the identity of the place that you work or be absorbing yourself into that. And so changing a little bit, you're, you change as you go and you change. And no matter what, everyone who bartends is essentially an ambassador. You're an ambassador for your own thoughts, the space that you work, the employer that, you know, uh, has given you a job. So you start practicing those wearing those different hats. But yeah, I look back at all of these little chapters of my life based on what I was doing work-wise or yeah. love-wise or, you know, geographically, I've moved as well. Um, and it's overwhelming a little bit, you know, and I stop it's and actually lot. consider that I gave myself a goal. I worked towards that goal. I achieved that goal. Uh, I worked towards another goal. I didn't necessarily get it, but lateral movements are important. And then retracking that, you know, that weird windy path I've gone down. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I think about it often. It's it's kind of startling. It takes me back a bit. I talked to, obviously, you know, a lot of the people that I had the opportunity of talking to are brand ambassadors. Or they represent something. Some people are the brand themselves, right? I Absolutely. think for you, obviously, you're behind the account and stuff now, but... You also are Elise, right? So you bring this cachet to that role, hence probably one of the reasons that they hired you. But I always wonder for you and a couple other really strong personalities, where does the job end and you begin? 
That's great. So, I mean, if we're talking about visually and the perception of that, um, it shouldn't maybe ever. And it depends on who you are and how you want to interact with what you are an ambassador for. I am an ambassador for a brand for the McAllen and the Edrington portfolio. And more importantly, inside of that, I'm an ambassador for my passion. And it just so happens that I've been fortunate enough to have a position or be offered and taken a position in a place that allows me to continue learning. So, yes, I am the visual face or, you know, I should be aligned with this this brand and, and be responsible with educating and advocating education for social it. Social presence, right? Social presence. And then, I, I mean, social media is a bit huge thing, right? So if we're talking about the logistics of being a brand ambassador, I would like for somebody to look at me and align me with the brand, but align me with themselves because yeah. why are we looking at this page why are we interested in this what makes us want to drink more it's perhaps it's the way that it's visually presented or more importantly maybe it's the way that somebody talked to you about it for the first time or piqued your interest in the alchemy that is distillation right. or the type of barley that we're using or you know the manner in which several of our production methods change and differ and those are all amazing or it's the camaraderie of hospitality it's that you want to go and have a great experience the idea that the bottle itself is a celebration and we should you know kinetically be on point all the time we should be experiencing things in load so hopefully if each person is playing to different things if you're looking at my social media and that's what excites you if you want to hang out and go to dinner and we want to talk about spirits that's what excites you maybe it never turns off Mm. doesn't turn off for me and i don't mean that you know that i'm wearing a veil of sorts or this is a guise um i am an ambassador for something that i care about uh, and that's difficult to turn off. It's always going, and I'm always thinking about it. And well, I always get that. Well, so this is the interesting thing. You know, I wouldn't say it's a concern, but I, you're doing so much, and you're really exploring so many different aspects and facets to your career, and I'm sure intellectually and cerebrally as well. The, are there those moments still where there's nothing, right? You can just sit with the, the dog and, like, have those moments where you just I don't want to shut the doors and just let me unwind yeah you know and I've always kind of been that way I am like most people in this industry and as bartenders outspoken and loud and brash at times and gregarious most importantly and you know we facilitate a lot of people's social lives good times right you know counseling you're right facilitate other people other people so giving all of that and coming from giving that time and typing on every day extending it to strangers and loved ones alike All I would want to do after a five-day week of 14-hour shifts all in a row is, A, do my laundry, please, if I have energy, mm-hmm. but lay in silence. Just be. Right. Um, I, like you mentioned, I do have a dog that I care about greatly. If you know me at all, you definitely know Chutney, <laughs> uh, my pride and joy. Um, but yeah, I, I do try to unwind, which is interesting because I've kind of been taught by the the ongoing and high energy of this industry that we don't ever really turn off. Right. Um, and so things like FOMO and Tifty are definitely like always existing. I'm wondering what other people are doing. I'm wondering what is cool and trending. I'm wondering what I'm missing out on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I have to, I have to chill. You do it. Yeah. You make that sound. I have to. Um, and it doesn't, it's not romantic. It's not like I'm, you know, lounging around being fanned by palms. It's me in really gross sweatpants watching so comfortable though netflix for 42 hours straight and right. forgetting what day it is yeah so it is a really nice balance frenetic busy social gregarious coupled with some nice fucking downtime with the dog and watching shit that's about rom love it rom. love it yeah. yeah and taking myself out of you know this rubric of a lifestyle as well i like to go out and and not be a lease sometimes yeah. you know my job is great and the idea that I can go into a bar and sit down and not know anybody and then five minutes later have a friend and we've connected over a product or we've connected over a random conversation. But sometimes I like to just go to a bar and not be anybody. I I agree. And because... We get biased treatment if you think about it. We can never go in fresh when we know someone there. Right. Can't judge it properly. No. And, And it's the opportunity that I have to be the person I've been catering to my whole life is... I want to be wowed and wooed and loved on by the bartender. Yeah. And I want to see the way that other people extend hospitality. And damn, it feels good sometimes to be on the receiving end. It does. Yeah. Well, it's about, again, it's a balance, right? Absolutely. I actually, it's strange. I have, I was talking, had a 
coffee earlier with Sergio Mendoza from Don Filano and Miriam, who has this new spirit coming out from Michoacan. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I don't remember it. But she was talking about her sister's a masseuse. Mm. Okay. So what would a sister masseuse do? She would always be like, oh, you're so tense. I mean, and so she's like, I clench and I move away and I can't do it. But she herself is a very touchy-feely person. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of the same way. I don't like people touching me, really. I'm always about other people. Mm-hmm. And so it is almost just as important to give as it is to take. Oh, yeah. It's a strange thing that I never realized, like, you need to take, too. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of, and if you're like me, you're from the South, and you're, you know, hospitality has been just shoved into you yeah. since day one, you know, since Jump Street, whether it's in the form of food or uh, colloquialisms and language, you know, vernacular or something, bless your heart, or yeah. come <laughs> on in, y'all. Uh, so but, warm and adorning, yeah. Yeah, and then learning skill sets, learning to cook, for me especially, le- following my grandmother and my mother around and learning the action that is giving in hospitality, it kind of creates what can be a, a negative thing in your life and in your mind, which yeah. is that you should always be concerned about the well-being of others before yourself. You should, and if you're like my grandmother or my mother or even me now to this day, that if you make something for somebody to eat, yeah. you're never really satisfied until you see them eating it and smiling. Yeah, very strange So thing. you sit down without a plate, know you're going to eat after everybody else is eating. Right. And getting that, it's such a strain when you break that action down. Right. My joy comes from your joy. In all sorts of ways. It's the same when I make a creative cocktail or yeah. I'm asked, if somebody's asked me for something that's a little bit, you know, bartender's choice or what have you. I'm waiting, always waiting on somebody to tell me or reaffirm for me. Re- I want to carry the assurance in my heart that everyone around me is happy because I made them so. But yes, I need to, to give it back a little it's bit. It's hard to take. I mean, it's, it's, it's really strange, but the power of asking for things, you know what I mean? That's something Boy. people don't realize is actually really important saying, at least I really need an hour of your time. Yeah. Right. Or I need you to not buy me a coffee. Thanks again for the coffee. Right. No, I'm just kidding. But too bad. And you're going to drink it. <laughs> I will drink it. Absolutely. Through <laughs> this, this gauntlet of interviews today on the Saturday during the conference. But can you ask for things? Are you able to ask for things that you need? Yeah. You know what? And actually, it started coming around um, in a position of quantifying my worth. Uh, money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As a woman in a job that is doesn't really have a pay structure right we we make a tip percentage but we're paid some unreasonable amount here in texas that goes straight into the ether but um and asking for opportunity in the same fashion because with opportunity becomes experience which gives me a skill set which i then can quantify and make money upon but it came as a a push to be included in in growth right is everybody around me was getting something that i didn't get and i didn't understand it and i couldn't really talk myself out of the idea that i deserved it as well um and now it's it's has begun to trickle into the other spheres of my life you know i ask um, more from the other people around me in my job place in my workplace i ask more of myself when it comes to doing things but i definitely ask more of myself for self-love and self-care um i ask more of the people that I choose to spend time with, right. you know, and and I, I I didn't have the ease and the comfort at first of saying you do deserve something or you should ask for something, uh, but now it doesn't seem too difficult. I realize it's kind of the ebb and flow. The way that it goes is we're given the it's take. The other side so, of the coin, of course. Yeah, you have to kind of and you have to kind of encourage that out of people as well. Absolutely, you know, be there for them, but also realize that maybe you would ask them. Right. For a favor in return. It's okay. Yeah. I thought I talked about this last night. I was like, I've asked so many people for favors to intro me to other people. Right. Like, what, tell me what you need now because, of course, I want – it doesn't have to be tit for tat. But I really do feel it's that balance. It's got to work. Absolutely. Place. And it's great practice, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. Is asking a stranger for something in a sales negotiation is not hard. You yeah. can structurally – decide ahead of time what you would respond to you have a list of concessions you know you're ready to make this deal but organically in conversation or if it's something around personal items or what have you in a different sphere it could be a little bit intimidating the closer it gets to your heart the harder it is to ask right Um, but it should be easier the closer it is to your heart the more you would want it and manifest it and try to encourage it to exist around you so Trying to figure that one out. It's kind of a little. But I don't little. know if, like you, but you know, I have this nice cold shell around my heart, as, a, <laughs> as a, you know, this loving bleeding aquarium over this time. So it's hard to dig past that and chip through it. 
yeah. sometimes. And it, but you're right. It's like it's so strange the duality that exists. Sure. You're so passionate, and this could be any ambassador, but they're so passionate about their work, about the product, about the people. Yet, yeah, they won't let other be. They won't be passionate about other people. Yeah. They won't let people be passionate about them. It's a very strange thing. We give, give, give again without taking anything in return. Going back, this is the funny thing: is no one's from Katy, right? No, like no I, one's <laughs> from Katy. It's like Marfa. No one, yeah, no, no one wants born to out talk there. about it, right? Like, <laughs> but we went to high school. Went to rival high schools, which is cool. Now I'm, you know, go Mustangs. Almost 10, 10 years. Yeah, fucking Mustangs. <laughs> go Tigers. Actually, I don't. It's insincere. I don't give a shit. Take it back, Katie. Tigers. But it's an interesting place. It is interesting, Katie. And you have an older sister. Mm-hmm. You have a mom that's very successful, very very driven, and like us both, we. I was raised by a single mom. Yeah. And it gives you a certain set of tools, doesn't it? It sure does, yeah. And being out there and touching on this is Katie is a beautiful place. Katie is also kind of the place that uh, homogenous family structures go to create Zinco life Ranch, and man. yeah, to oh, hang out. Yeah. And so when you when you come from something that doesn't look like the plan, you know, the the societal Template. normative of yeah. what a family is, right? Uh, you recognize it as an immediate obstacle, and however you determine you want to ha- handle it. Uh, it was, you know, when we're children, we're insecure about everybody's thoughts. Everyone's opinion is so high so my mother being a single mom from the beginning was always over the top encouraging to two women that were her children eventual women Mm. uh that we were a tiny little girl gang and it was okay and that we didn't look like everybody else and that's okay as well and uh there are life lessons that you can learn no matter who's teaching them and you don't need necessarily the presence of the father figure to teach you the things so my mother was very much so just as yours my mom and my dad which was really cool, right? To, it is. I mean, it you, shapes you in a different way, I think. Um, and I, I don't know if it's the maternal thing or the, the female thing. Uh, the just, I don't know, being almost soft, and I mean that in a in a nice way, sure. right? Like warm. Is that another word for it, perhaps? Yeah. Is she kind of raised us to be all accepting? empathy just bleeding hearts yeah. uh, to understand other people because we were asking people to understand us and we didn't understand when they didn't yeah. right so really encouraging my mom was really encouraging in the idea that it's okay to be different and to look different and to eat different and to speak differently and if uh, all of those things happen around us in this big wide world then uh, it's normal and outside of your tiny little bubble and your sphere that is Katy Texas that kind of sets this like Wizard of Oz principle in the way that things are, right. maybe more uh, Stepford Wives. If I, can you do? Can you even think about having lived your whole life in Katy? No, I, that's a I kind drive of a nightmare through. I drive through all of Houston to get to places like these cities, and I've made that drive yeah. so many times. I tell people all the time, I hate that drive. I hate the drive from Houston to San Antonio because I know at every turn of the road just how far I am away yeah uh but that aside I go through Katie first and the growth out there is insane it is very insane but I know people and you know people that grew up to move away to earn a degree to move back to plant themselves and their roots yep. and their families Soon and Katie kids. and to do it again yeah and kudos to them that means that they enjoyed that place and that time and their upbringing and those people and that way of life so much that they want to replicate it forever, forever, forever. forever. Doesn't it feel like a bizarre world for you, though? Like that. To, yeah, that, it's like that process to me seems so foreign and so uh, unintuitive. Yes, right. um, and it's it's strange because it's never been my my mode or my method. Right? Is once I do something and I familiarize myself with it, go away from it, find something new to tackle, find a new place to live. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that. I have a lot of friends that I went to high school with and yeah. have gone off and, you know, adopted that lifestyle for themselves in that space. And it's it's boggling. It is boggling to me, not in a sense that it means that they're not successful. They're not doing what they want to do. This is exactly what they want to do. It's just strange to realize how different my goals and my idea of life is from that place that kind of absolutely taught us things about ourselves, you when know? you think about success i think that it's painted the narrative for the american dream even though george carlin says you have to be asleep to believe it but let's just say the american dream is a positive thing 
you get a degree, right? You have a family, you have mm-hmm. two and a half kids, you get a house, mm-hmm. all this rubbish, ultimately. But you did pursue the academic bit. You went to mm-hmm. UTSA. I did. And studying arts there. Was mm-hmm. that, I imagine being as intelligent as you are, that that was obviously your idea, but did you feel any pressure, any motivation from your mom to also follow in that oh, accessible? Absolutely. And not because she prescribed it to me. Right. Because I was being molded and, and built and vulnerable and influential at, at or influenced at a time where my mom was crushing her career. Yeah. She crushed life and I got to see it. I watched my mother come up in a, in hospitality. She came from um, you know, management and, and Marriott hotels. Um, and then she moved into the travel industry. And at a very young age I watched her overcome divorce and defeat in that manner, you know. Yeah. Uh, rebound from it. I watched her decide that she wanted more from her career and drive three hours two times a week to Baylor to earn her MBA when she realized that the ceiling had capped and she wanted to move up instead of laterally. Um, And I got to watch her. And so I would see my mom come home wearing, you know, what I would have at the time probably said something Murphy Brown would wear, but this (laughs) powerhouse pantsuit. Sure. Shoulder pads, right? Yeah, and she taught me at a young age that you can be hip and fun and cool and you can have a family, you can have friends, you can travel the world, and you can be successful in an industry and in a sphere of your life that maybe a lot of times we're told that we can't. Yeah. Um, and so I, I didn't feel true pressure from my mother. I felt a very strong encouragement from her actions and watching her as Her example, perhaps even, right? Absolutely. And, and we talk about it now where I say, you know, I remember this, this milestone in your career, you coming home and talking about it. And she's like, how do you, I'm so happy that you remember these things. Yeah. And, you know, because she's shifted in her, in her career and her life very greatly. And uh, I think that it's important to remind people of the, the, the person that they really were happy about or, or aspects of Absolutely. their career that were very powerful. And, and when I do remind my mom that those little those little, you know, bits of time stand out in my mind still yeah. as encouragement to continue going in the path that I'm on. I'm sure she, she feels Im- immensely she, proud, yeah. right? She's like, wow, geez, thanks. You know, I yeah. I almost forgot yeah. about that. Um, but I mean, my sister's a powerhouse too. And my grandmother was a powerhouse. My other grandmother was a powerhouse. And it's it's been really easy, I'd say, and I would never take it for granted, but I'd say maybe I'm spoiled and lucky in the sense that I have had nothing but badass women show me the way. Yeah. In amazing. different ways, you know? Well, no, it's nice. It gives you some sense of completeness, right? Absolutely. Different schools of thought that all can converge. Absolutely. It's an amazing thing. Different generations, too, seemingly. Yeah. And so studying arts and having encouragement to go off and to go to school and enter academia was always something that I wanted to do. It wasn't that I needed the societal imperative of the degree right. that would get me the job that would land me the husband that would allow me to have the kids that would get me a house that was bigger and then I would be content none of that tangible thing those things ever right. stuck out in my mind as a, you know a keynote of success for me that was never the way that it looked for me for me it was am I going to be happy is putting my energy into this field of study going to make me happy right what is it doing for me? Can, I, can we talk about the concept of happiness? Then? Yeah, absolutely. There's an interesting thing. I read this study. When I went through my first divorce, I understood this study more than I ever have in my life. And that is, people say, I want to be happy. Admirable pursuit, of course. However, life is a mean average when you're done. right? So at the end of the day, you want to have more happy days than sad days. Absolutely. So... That balance that strikes between depressive times and uplifting times, right. do you embrace both equally? Maybe not equally. There's probably an imbalance there because, as I've mentioned, and we've probably built by now, I'm incredibly critical over myself in yeah. ways that are great, but also detrimental if I allow them to spin out, right? Um, so I just recently was in an Uber talking to my Uber driver about Happy New Year, yeah. right? Oh, last year was terrible. We had, you know, it's been a whirlwind of a ride. Right. 2016 was crazy as well. And I moved home to Houston in 2015. And through that time, and I said this out loud for the first time, was that they were hard years. And I nearly had enough hiccups 
to match or eclipse the good times. Mm. And that came out of my face and I almost choked on it because it wasn't true. You know, I felt that way and I felt that, and maybe it was that I was connecting to this person who was sharing something very candid about themselves and their hardships. But, you know, I got out of that car and I was standing at the curbside at one of my favorite bars about to meet some friends of mine. And that is absolutely untrue, you know, and, and, and what is happiness to me and what does that mean? And am I aware that I'm happy when it's happening? Right. Or am I only aware that I've been happy because I feel so bad at the current time, right? The grass is it's greener this, or darker, I guess. Yeah, it's yes. the juxtaposition. Contrast. Are we ever really present in the moment to understand how we're feeling right now? Right. So when I'm feeling recently, and, and hopefully it's a practice that I keep up with because I get to share it with maybe you and whoever's listening, but in space and time, no one ever, uh, I jam out in the car. Yeah. Oh, I, the best. I sing and dance to a point where it nearly like I I feel myself smiling and I'm I'm happy for like I force this thing I get my energy up I'm you know I'm wiggling I'm happy I'm moving around and right. and it, it's like a forced action that is so simple and silly and ridiculous because it's probably you know Taylor Swift or, Con- or, or Drake on the end that yeah. I'm just wrapping my ass off to pick but, your poison it doesn't matter right? oh and they're all poisonous in my <laughs> uh, I would be so mortified if someone got a hold of my Spotify <laughs> like oh this is a worthy pursuit I think for the public just to tell you at least to find out what you've got hiding in that musical closet you don't want to know of yours I probably it's don't, all over the place but in a way Kind of do. It's good. I mean, <laughs> sure, it's got good. something for everybody. It's like a little <laughs> mystery box. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So being aware of happiness and sadness and good and bad music and good and bad experiences. <laughs> uh. It's it's um it's important, but I don't think that it's a balance for me necessarily, and maybe anybody. And I think that to say that it is is a lie, and to say that anything is is never. To me, you, you know, know, it's weird. It's like everybody's. I want to be happy. It's like cool. What does Again, that mean? a very worthy right. I I don't know. It's like saying you're busy. I think it's rubbish terminology. I think it doesn't really have a meaning. Yeah. I just want to be content. Right? I want to feel harmonious with the world around me. Right. Whether it gives me positive energy or negative energy, I will accept both and then ultimately deal with it in a positive or medium uh, very mild mannered way. Sure. And we've personally as friends spoken about what that that means, right? Yeah. Is experiencing things in the moment and letting energies affect us excuse me but um being content with the world around us yes mike you and i look at the world a little bit differently I see, I and it's isolating and we've shared that with each other before but um i don't know that i ever really feel one with the world sometimes i f- have this strange thought that like maybe this is the matrix and nobody is really real and <laughs> and, and it's a manifestation of something. Sure. I was in Chittavecchia, which is this tiny little port town in Italy and I'm standing at a coffee shop and we're determining where we want to go for the day and I've got my sister and my mother in tow and we're on a tiny little blip of place in the world and a boy I went to high school with rides by on a bike. Wow. And who, who put us there in the same moment? Is it kismet? Is it serendipitous? Is it right. a projection of my mind? That's it. Yeah. It's, it's the matrix. Shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where sometimes things happen that are so far out that I don't really know <laughs> what reality and existence is. But to be one with it sounds tight. I would love to do that. But it's, I mean, um, at least it's enjoyable while we're here if we make it that way. Yeah. And I think that me being okay with the way the world is around me and existing around me is to going back to expectations to strip myself of the expectations that would keep me from being content. I used to, like most women, have an event come up where I'm super excited to wear the outfit for the thing, right? Right. And in my mind, uh, I would create the idea of what I wanted to wear, all the way down to the shoes. The shoes are the most important thing for me. Love good shoes. But what I would do is create the idea of a pair of shoes that I'd never, I wasn't quite sure if I'd seen. Maybe there was like, a hodgepodge of three pairs of shoes that I liked over time and they were now this tangible item that I convinced myself existed Yeah. that I had to find for this outfit or it wasn't going to be okay. So this and, is, is we're actually just talking about shoes I'm just but curious a, if, it ex, if it expands beyond that. Doesn't it? Probably. So creating this idea where I would stress myself out like I can't find these shoes they don't exist right, because right. I made myself think they did. And maybe I should invent them if they don't exist. If I like talking about so innovation much. now, right? Right. Uh, so figuring out and what a silly analogy, but so real. And I'm so sure everybody no, here is like, totally. I do that. I yeah. made that up. 
And I was disappointed so greatly in myself and the things around me when it didn't come true. What do you think Hollywood romance is? God, it it's looks the great. same shit, man. <laughs> it's like I imagine it, and you maybe you're not even conscious of the fact that Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have built some kind of set of pillars of right. philosophy about love and the way you feel about it, right? right. You, maybe you don't even know that. But when you find love and it doesn't meet what you thought. Oh, the expectation the for love and romance in my life is something that has been and has been nearly crippling. Uh, you know, we, I want things for myself. I want things for other people. And yeah. then you kind of realize through relationships and time, maybe other people don't really want that for you or they don't see that as making you happier. It's so tough. They don't yeah. want to make you happy. Or they don't know how to make you happy because you don't know what makes you happy. It's a cyclical I'm quandary, my hands right? Up here, but yes. Yeah, and, and that's been really interesting is learning that in order to love somebody else, I have to love myself because I've got to teach them how to love me right. Right. And if I don't set the idea for them or I say, hey, we're having our first tiff, I don't really think that that's the way that I like to communicate. Let, let me be honest and, and out loud. I want to have a very calm conversation. I don't want to ever say words to you that I would regret. Right. I'm never going to call you a bad name. And I highly and absolutely expect the same respect from you. Um, but you know how much self-introspection and understanding of the way that you approach your life and the way you feel about yourself, you know how much curation that takes to be able to even be that posed, poised in a... Oh, argument. yeah, it takes curation, but it also takes really, really tumultuous and negative relationships to teach you the way that you want to treat people and the way that you expect to be treated. That's a good point. Um, and it was. It was me in an all-out screaming battle with somebody where I had a click in my mind that said, I never want to ever... I wouldn't do this to somebody I hate. Yeah. And I think I love this person. Why would I ever treat this person that Doesn't way? Doesn't make sense. You know, it's cognitive dissonance. Yeah, right? and back in, you know, college days you have I had three roommates, uh, and I listened through the wall of my bedroom door one night, uh, at a good friend of mine who is a roommate, say some of the most heinous and outrageous things that I've ever heard to her boyfriend. Mm. And I thought, Wow, he's really getting it. And then the next day when they were fine, I said how did they wake up from that and say, oh, let's pretend like it didn't happen? You know, my mom told me really early on when she found us writing notes in high, in high school and junior high, be very careful about the things that you write. Yes, you can get in trouble with the content of a silly exchangeable right. note, but what you put into words verbally and written, you know, uh, libel and slander essentially, exactly. you cannot take back. So if you say something to somebody that you felt in a heated moment where you were, your feelings were completely out of your control, you can't take that back and they're going to remember you. Imagine you making somebody happy and them looking at you in love and then no matter how high that gets, they're going to recall the time that you said that terrible Always. thing. Always and it's going to it. and it's going to it's going to conflict. It's going the opposite way of the grain, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's all sorts of things in my mind have Even come to... Even with people with bad memories, remember oh those. Oh, my gosh. That, how do they remember that in the file system in the brain? Because you're firing on all synopses when you're affected like that, right? Like, yeah. you're angry, you're, you're, you're sad, you're heartbroken, and that is a very powerful recollection, too, yeah, right? Like, that's crazy. total recall is, is emotion, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I can, I, like our olfactory sense of the magic that it is, right. I smell some things and I'm reminded of conflict or a fight or a really great love time or it's incredible you know it's no it is it's powerful when i you know it's interesting i always want to paint a narrative for these lives so you've lived a very rich life thus far you haven't even hit your 30s yet so that's going to be really exciting we'll talk about the, yeah. what those future chapters may look like but i think one of the pillars one of the milestones at least as i see it is your relationship with speed rack oh love it in terms of Again, back to the single mother thing. I got a brother, mm. my mom, me. So we grew up pretty much a lot, yeah. right? My parents got married in 88, so it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Trying to find something, not even intentionally, mm -hmm. but subconsciously somehow wanting to belong to a larger familial unit. Oh, yeah. Did Speed Rack provide some of that for you? Speed Rack has provided a great amount of that. Um, the chances of me choking up and crying when I talk about speed rock are very high. Would the, this would actually be the second time because it, it has that kind of bond between the people that involved. It's the people involved, but it's also a version of myself. Yeah. You know, this competition that I realized was, uh, I guess in the world of competition, if you could consider it, it's like a game of golf. Yeah. If you don't know golf, that's okay. Uh, essentially, what I'm trying to say is it's a competition to the eye, right? right? It's presumably me going head to head with another woman 
to battle, battle her and take her down and overcome her. However, you're not working in the same wheelhouse. You don't have the same processes. You are trying to get to the same goal on whatever weird way you're going to get there. Yeah. It's completely your own. So you're playing against yourself. You're right. not, there is showmanship and sportsmanship and camaraderie. I will hug the person next to me, but this is not about me beating that person. Right. This is about me beating our beating myself. Yeah. And it's empowering, right? And it's also gratifying, yeah, when you do win and you do get incredibly far, it's a reminder of the work that you've put in. Uh, I train my ass off, Mike. I, I applied the life of the athlete that I was as a younger person yeah. to this thing that I didn't know was something you could hone and, and, and really break down and create a process with. And I did. I became the best bartender that I ever was uh, or ever will be. Sure. Um, meticulous, organized, quick, graceful, you know, careful, predicting my movements before they've done them, knowing right. exactly how much space I'm encompassing. I was the best version of myself, and it, it very much so is about what physically that activity asked of me. Yeah. But emotionally and mentally, I've grown as a person from that organization. It showed me camaraderie. It showed me a seat. It showed me uh, competition and love at the same time. It's shown me uh, just a the way that a community can get behind a movement and coming from a family of women where we talk about breast cancer and we all, you know, save the boobs, save the woman. Right. You know, this isn't about speed rack is a great way to talk about and make light of and, and encourage a fun air around something very important. But my grandmother had breast cancer, yeah. you know, and, and my mother had scannings for it. And my sister and I are always on, the, you know, alert. alert yeah. You know, it's it's something that is part of a woman's daily routine. Uh, we're encouraged by our doctors and our OBGYNs and our caretakers to manually and give ourselves these sure. checkovers. You know, I, it's it's a weird thing to have an activity that you're supposed to be doing to check to make sure that you're not Dying. in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. When I reach behind my head in the shower, I, the last thing I think I want to do is examine myself for a lump. Same thing with um, my, my testicles, right? Right. It's the same, like, right. Eh, and I'll do it tomorrow. And it's scary when you think that, oh, my gosh, is this, a, you know, is my lymph node flaring or what's happening? Right. Uh, is this just a, what, whatever. So Speed Rack was amazing to me because as a woman, you are constantly kind of reminded of this inevitable and looming could be possibility in your mm. life. But cancer is cancer. Cancer affects everybody, whether you are somebody that actually has that sickness or you are somebody that is going through grieving and, and recovery with somebody around you that's doing right. it. It is completely consuming. Um, and to be involved in something that constantly brings attention to not the bad side of it is awesome. Yeah. And that's what Speed Rack is. It's an opportunity to take seriously something that is incredibly challenging and detrimental to a lot of lives. But to put it into a party is is genius. To ce it's to celebrate life, really. It's to celebrate life. It's to celebrate hard work it's to celebrate women on a on a very large platform right. all the way to the you know to the micros but yeah speed rock is super important to me it's given me some of the best friendships i could have ever asked for it's taught me so much about myself mm. uh and it makes me love people blindly it changed my compassion uh speed rock chicago is absolute waterworks for me uh a we were all meeting back up all 16 of us from the band was back together. We got the band back together for the <laughs> most part. A few were missed, but for the most part, we successfully reconvened in the middle at the place, the home spot for Moni, who won nationals last year. So it was great on all sorts of levels. We were back together. But I was seeing women's faces competing on that stage that I'd maybe never heard of. And Speed Rock is kind of this, like, creates a badasses, right? Sure. There are names. Lazy Hawkins, you know? Oh, yeah. There's always that veteran staple that's in the competition, but more so than ever this year, we are seeing so many women that we're meeting for the first time. And it is so wild how powerful they are. Yeah. So badass. So I'm watching these women, and I'm just overcome with the idea that they work just as hard as I worked, and they're going through the run of the emotions that I know. Um, and also, I love them, yeah. and they don't know it yet, but we're going to be friends. And it's because they're doing this thing that I respect tremendously and they're doing it with a smile and they're doing it with ease and they're doing it with grace. And it's so easy to say, and I say it to competitors a lot, is 
You do this every day that you go to work. This is nothing new. Don't freak out. In fact, you do this so well that outside of this competition, people give you money for it. Yeah. This is a Saturday night. The difference is you have to touch a buzzer and look into a crowd. Yeah, Who cares? Uh, but it's, it's incredibly empowering and it's incredibly, um, I don't know, uh, gratifying to have found that organization, to allow that organization to kind of open my opportunities. Yeah. You know, it kind of opened the door for a lot of things. It connected me to a lot of really beautiful people and it showed me um, a portion of this industry and this community and this big family that exists around us uh, that I hadn't had an opportunity to see before. When it, you know, there's some people I've talked to that in a way they come with these glowing recommendations. Like, <laughs> oh, Mike, you gotta talk to this person or that person. You've really impacted people's lives, it feels like. Mm. I think these sentiments about you are so warm and resounding that do you ever think about the fact that you've really impacted other people's lives, too? No, but thank you for saying so, and that'll make me cry, too. Um, no, it feeds back into the, the blind giving of hospitality, right? Is right? We're never really thinking about... It's in... It's ingrained in me to make others happy. Yeah. And it's a blessing that people want to be happy in my company. And if that's the thing that that does it, then hell yeah, you know? But at the same time, I'm sure there's a lot of people whose eyes I make cross who can't stand to share the room with me. Sure. Uh, but I guess I'm doing an okay job if I don't know them. They haven't announced themselves. It's always better that way. Um, no, I, I hope that, that that feeling and that sensation and that idea is reciprocated you know i hope that the people that feel that way about me know that they impact my life just as greatly and that's why we can end up in the same room time and time again but you can let it in you know this is the thing i have a real struggle with is letting the gratitude of others in yeah and you know what is also really messed up is that we i take for granted that a lot you know when i start to feel lonely um which happens when traveling it happens when I get back to the hotel room after I've been bombarded by a company all night and right. good times and high energy and I have a moment to kind of sit there and think how lasting is everything how you know how much does it give back to me what's my ROI on this thing right, and yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it, we kind of take it for granted I take that for granted thinking about what maybe I do for others or the joy that I can possibly give to other people I don't ever think about Sometimes we're just too busy doing. I th there was this funny thing that I was listening to on the radio years ago. It was kind of profound because I love my dog. We both love our dogs very yeah. much. There are, I mean, <laughs> they're soulmates. Right? She is my soulmate. She can't even speak my language, but. It doesn't matter. You just can feel it, you know. I know. But the, this person, he was a, a psychiatrist. And he was talking about the human condition as we all are. And he was saying, I was in the park the other day and I was watching these dogs. They were fumbling over these balls, these frisbees. They were just in the moment so much. And he said, it made me realize that many of us are not human beings. <laughs> we're human doing. And it's something I always go back and think about because you try to achieve so many things and you're ambitious. You've got things to prove to yourself. And sometimes it's the antithesis of just being and accepting that love and accepting that gratitude. Oh, yeah. It's a strange thing. And I like that story because when I take Chutney to the dog park, I have had moments where I think I've never made fast friends in this way. Yeah. I've never been able to freely share things with people like a ball or a toy. <laughs> and I'm never running that fast with the idea of <laughs> happiness. And that is what she does with these other dogs right. she's now best friends with. And it's like, I want to be that. I want to do that. And probably amazing. on some level I do. And But yeah. And, and that's such a fun. I love the the idea of the human condition when you yeah. said that it's a, a condition that applies to being a, you know and it's Absolutely. the human condition is is malleable and versatile and ever flowing and changing and it's in constant flux and yeah. i never really know once i get my finger on what my human condition is it's changing uh so that's just such a funny term to be I love it I lo yeah I really do I um, think about the that warm moment you know when the dogs have this look in their eye yeah you know, she gets so happy about anything I take her to the crosswalk on our walk we go to this uh, four-way stop and every car that slows down she thinks it's for her 
anyone that she'll stand on the corner and just stare out as though she's won a pageant. And everyone is gathering here. We are here for you. That gentleman has some frankincense and myrrh. Honey, we are so happy that you are here with us. Uh, but yeah, I want I want that, you know, that naive freedom, yeah. that, you know, endless nice. happiness. Yeah, my dog teaches me a lot. It's mine too. Obviously, this latest chapter is heavily imbibed with whiskey. Yes. You, the McCallan or raised the McCallan event just occurred kind of through the, the nation. You were in town in Austin for that. It was a brilliant experience elevating the brand luxury and all that right like everybody knows the mccallan right it's a delicious scotch we fucking love it so but for you you've got this massive portfolio of stuff i mean you have yeah. cutty sarka as well right yeah and famous grouse too yeah famous grouse yeah. so as so let's say you're going home and it's been a dark month mm-hmm. maybe you're a little introspective feeling creative which of those bottles do you think is most suitable for the brooding, pensive artist? Oh, my god. If goodness. not all of them mixed together. Yeah. No, let's take them all and blend our own. Suicide. Uh, Tiger's uh, blood. Do a, do a McAllen call. suicide. Bob Delgarno <laughs> would probably fly to America just to punch me in the face. Um, <laughs> he's a master at what he does, and he creates beautiful expressions for us. But I think for me as a creative... <clears throat> the edition series is uh, just a call to my heart. Mm. It is a creative collaboration between Bob Delgarno and an individual who, whose life is led by passion outside of spirits, right? So we looked at the Roca brothers um, for edition number two, but this most recent edition with Roja Dove is a collaboration between a perfume master and maker yeah. and a whiskey maker. And for two men whose noses and palates lead their lives in completely different spheres right. to come together and create something. And the idea of sitting down with a stranger or somebody that has a, a tangent, you know, or maybe like a tertiary connection with you and passion <clears throat> to create something out of a brand new lens that only you two have kind of amazing. is amazing. Uh, and also it's delicious. Yeah. It's an amazing expression. I really love the edition series. Um, you, you know, when we talk about the McAllen and like you mentioned, we, we associate luxury. Um, and it's actually one of my favorite, you know, gifts to give or encourage others to buy because it's so, it's so accessible yeah. price point wise. You know, um, my job is easy in that sense almost. Uh, it's also very difficult in that sense that the McAllen is known. People know the McAllen. Yeah. Uh, they have their preconceived notions about it. Exactly. So that's where I come in is you're, you've known it, you've seen it, it's been around you, it's part of what we see when we go into a bar. I've had friends send me pictures of back bars and say, every time I see this bottle, I think of you now. That's great. That is essentially what a brand ambassador is to do, is align themselves with a product. But what I am interested in doing, just as Bob Delgarno and Roja Dove have done, is change the landscape of the conversation regarding single malt whiskey. You know, I had the privilege of working with House Spirits Distillery before I came on with McAllen and Edrington. Yeah, a huge piece of your career, mind you. Yeah, full year with... One of the things that are so impactful. Yeah, full year with one of the most amazing teams in the game uh, under the tutelage of some of the best ambassadors and education advocates in in the game. And and, um, it it sparked something in me that, that I cared about whiskey and I wanted to keep talking about it. And if I could find a gig that allowed me to wake up every day and yeah. continue this conversation that I'm passionate about, then I'm nailing it. Uh, and and having that foundation was really great, but moving into the McAllen was interesting. You know, going from a growth brand, Westward is phenomenal, but it's new. It's yeah. new. It's an opportunity to say, try this thing that you've never had sure. or seen. Coming up against something that, you know, eclipses whatever opinion I have it. about it. Yes, right. You know? Uh, but if I can make somebody think or approach that spirit differently... You know, for a minute there, I was really, really on the board of put McAllen in cocktails. You know, we've moved into this culinary sect where we care so greatly about quality uh, and and content on our plates and in our stomachs and, you know, in our bodies. Yeah. Why does then that transition always to cocktails? And that's essentially the underlying foundation or idea of the cocktail movement is why aren't we doing that this with the best quality ingredients that we have in the best manner possible? Um, so... That was a little bit crazy to encounter people that wanted to just backhand me for mixing McAllen. And, right. You know, and, but it goes back to the bartender in me. There's always the bartender that you go out for a beer and a shot after work, and they really, really want to tear down that guest that wanted to put 
a beautiful expression of Delma Gay into a margarita. Right. I didn't wake up today to come to work to tell you how to live your life. I came to work to give yeah. you exactly what you want. It's not about and us. There's this backwards trend that we've had and we've kind of been shaped and, and molded by is the the opinion of the bartender, the opinion of the person that's actually pouring whatever concoction it is that makes your heart happiest into a glass and asking you for money for it. There's almost a, a judgment or an acceptance that we're expecting from those people. Mm. And we shouldn't. I was a bartender for a very, very long time. And what is in the glass does not matter. It's the hospitality and the connection that you were there to create. But if you want to put Coke with McAllen, I am going it. to. I'm going to not only do it for you, I'm going to slow clap next to you while you drink the whole thing. Because it's not about drinking my brand. And I tell that to bars when I go in and do you know, staff trainings. Because most of the time what I've come to find is I start to talk about McAllen and I have to step back and start talking about, well, what is single malt right. scotch? Do we, are we familiar with distillation? How can I help you? to create an opinion for yourself about a product that is informed. You're empowering the consumers right? instead of prescribing to them. And the bar individuals as well. It's yeah. like, is if you don't want to tell somebody you don't want to drink that, that's crap, you better be able to tell me exactly why you feel that way. Right. I want to know something beyond your perception of a brand or what you think about it. I want you to be the most informed about our production methods, about the philosophy that we make our whiskey with, about distillation as a process. You know, in that way, when we go and have a, a kind exchange of ideas, uh, you're going to be prepared to not only talk about why you dislike things, but you're going to be empowered to discover and investigate the things that you maybe don't know that you love. I think it's one of the most important things. Yeah. It's okay to dislike stuff, of course, but if you don't know why, shame on you. Well, and that's our whole lives, right? Like, you never stop learning. That's n I never ever want to feel as though I'm not in a position to continue absorbing information and learning. And this job gives me that opportunity, but gives me an opportunity to share it with other people too. Yeah. Is is I can't imagine being so content in the information I have that I don't open a book again tomorrow, or I don't critically think about something that I heard that sounded like fact but yeah. was opinion. You know, and it's it's something that is part of me as a being no matter what the subject or the content is I want to learn I want to grow I want to continue moving and filling space uh, with my ideas and if I can do that for other people I do and so, so then that that's perfectly frames th these last two questions okay so it's a so many amazing people in town yes oh man there's abundance of everything tacos coffee booze oh whatever your pleasure is Talking about this, expanding people's minds, you to continue learning, you keep becoming philosophical, all of these different things you let in, right? Yes. You are open to it all. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing way to be. What? You've worked behind the bar. You've been in academia. Where do you go after the brand? Do you have an ultimate goal? Do you have an ultimate just signpost out there? Something that you're striving for, maybe to open a bar, maybe to create your own brand um you know what when I was bartending um and I thought that the next step for me was to open a bar and I kind of started flushing that idea out and critically examining where I was going and what spaces made me happy and what was the undertone of the bar that I loved best and how can I create that right but how is it organic and so thinking about the spaces and that idea was really really powerful for me because it made me constantly almost for a while there the idea of opening a bar and creating somebody's safe space or third space or favorite dive right. was so powerful that it made me become a better bartender to somehow get that in the future. Right. In, in order to make people happy, I have to figure out what that looks like. And so there was growth in that blind goal, that pipe dream, if you will. Sure. And then I started talking to my good friend Bobby, who essentially, I mean, he's given me an abundance of opportunities through his bar programs and he's also just a really great pillar in my community in Houston uh, very opinionated very very um, open with the way that he feels and the information that he has he's always willing to give you information and one of the best bits of information that he gave me was not everybody should be a bar owner right sure. and there are things that that force you to put roots where you maybe didn't think you needed to or you discover that you don't have the freedom that you did or you know opening a bar is maybe what is great for some people 
But for me, I don't think that that's what would make me successful. I, I have to keep moving, you know. Right. Um, traveling is so important to me. I mentioned earlier my mother was working for Continental, but she instilled in us in a young age that it was we were bigger than the space where we are right now. We can always move somewhere new and start a new leaf, but we are global citizens and we're part of a huge network and community and we have brothers around the world and sisters around the world and we don't know them and they speak different languages but we're part of something bigger and that always makes me feel uneasy when I start to feel as though I'm stuck right. or I'm sticking or I'm putting something down that's a little bit more permanent um, not that I don't you know not that I'm just a rambler but owning a bar is not for me because it would keep me in one space I see. Uh, with brand and ambassador programs and you know even moving into the desk jockey sort of situation that is probably in my future um <laughs> I don't really know what that position or that action is that I'm going to move into. Mike. Yeah. But I'll tell you that having an opportunity to creatively think about activating others has helped me find new tools, new ideas of, of uh, training people, education, yeah. essentially. Um, so it's far off and it's black and white and gray and cloudy, but I don't. It's something bigger than what I'm doing now, and it's bigger than a lateral movement. And I think that it has to do more with marketing and production, probably. Is. The clouds will separate at some yeah. point, right? And you'll be yeah. like, the light will come in. Yeah. And you'll be inspired, and you'll know exactly what that next move is. Yeah. When I think about the things that you're interested in so wide, the immense world around us, I ask every guest this question. And final question of the day before we go off and to do more wonderful things in San Antonio during this cocktail conference 2018 see I've tried to have a, maybe I'll do radio yeah no I, I, you almost kicked into that and I was like <laughs> I got hyped I was like oh my god we're about oh to this man up. we're gonna do this no but you're sipping your favorite spirit doesn't matter what it is that's mm -hmm. not really the point and you're at your favorite or one of your favorite places to drink in the world wherever that may be and mm -hmm. you can have a dram or two in conversation with anybody living or deceased who would that be for you wow um i would probably want to have a drink with one of my first heroes and i don't even know that she drinks um but I'd ask her kindly to enjoy something with me. Uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she drinks either. I, I mean, I don't know if her renal system is probably the most pristine in the world because she is an immaculate human. But right, right. Uh, yeah, no, she was one of my first heroes. She overcame boundaries and obstacles that I didn't really understand. Uh, race conversation, uh, you know, biology conversation, this right. successful black female athlete. And I ran track, and I don't know if you know this, but I ran very fast, and I was very good. Uh, I was very good at what I did, yeah. And it, it's a running, right? When people are like, you're in track, you can run fast. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's a skill, <laughs> it right? It it's like, important. People if, are good at golf. Yeah, like, that, right? laugh all you want, but if a bear comes, who's in trouble, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, you know, lettering and, and, and succeeding in that in that field was interesting to me because you, you don't have a lot of people that you're like, wow, I really love that person. I want to, you know, yeah. do that thing as well as they do. Uh, but Jackie Joyner, Kersey, she ran fast, and she was great at what she did, but she was so much more than that. Yeah. She was a, you know, a pillar of empowerment for, for several different people, whether you're a man or a female, whether you're black, white, or any other person of color or you know, shade. And, and it was amazing to see one person who was struggling with their own obstacles and you know, rings of fire encourage so many different people, so many different spheres and so many walks of life doing something that didn't require... A massive skill set right just a natural talent in a way but how grateful am i to have two great legs that run fast you know yeah. and it, it's a uh it's a funny thing I'm, and i do when i go to work out i always think I, i'm really lucky to have a, a to be able-bodied yeah. you know i'm lucky that i have yet in my life other than a few hiccups with soccer and an acl and then roller derby and an acl um I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty okay you know my parts are all moving and working and flowing and and uh, yeah, so I would probably ask Jackie Joyner Kersey to have a drink with me. First, I've heard that. I think it's brilliant. And it's yeah, very but we symbolic. would we would probably like I would ask her to have a few drinks with me, and then I would ask her to race me from stop sign to stop <laughs> sign just to see if I still got it. God, I hope you guys don't fall and tumble. I've done that. No way. I've tried to race after drinking scotch no before. It's always a tough oh. thing. 
I can do all things through single malt who strengthens me. It's amazing. <laughs> At least we finally made it happen. It's taken two years. but We made it happen, Mike. It's been a lovely chat, as yeah. always. And, you know, Godspeed on the next endeavor. Thank and, you. And, you know, racer-like speed, I suppose, as well with those two talented legs of yours, as you <laughs> said. So thanks so much for taking the time well, thank out. Thank you for having me. Talk soon, yeah. Absolutely. Well, there we have it, the lovely Elise Blackman of the McAllen. It's good to hear about her roots in San Antonio and Houston, how she was deeply impacted by Speed Rack now that these finals and semifinals are just happening around us. It's good to know that a strong woman is such a presence in the Scotch world. Whiskey is sometimes a very male-dominated field, and with someone as smart, ambitious, and insightful as Elise at the forefront of the McAllen conversation, this is beautiful. This is a great thing and a great way to shift forward the taste in scotch. So, Elise, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting about your life with me. It's been an exciting one. And even though you're not yet 30, there is so much to be proud of and you have so much left to achieve. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how you're thinking, man, I am buying too many bottles of scotch lately. That PX finish just grabs me by the cojones. Or if you're thinking, I really am enjoying salads of all types these days, please keep thinking.